Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. Who did I see up on the stage to start the NFL draft? So tonight, to celebrate our fans, we're going to have an NFL fan from out here that's vaccinated come up to this stage for each draft pick tonight and sit in that chair, which is a chair I did the draft from in 2020. So I'm going to let Jarvis and Bernie pick the Jaguar fan who comes up first. Guys, go for it. All right, we got a winner. We got a winner. I know that voice. I know that voice. Are you kidding me? The commissioner, Jarvis Landry, Bernie Kosar, Joe Thomas, and Danica. Da-da-da-da, Danica. Like, I knew she was in Cleveland because she told us, just as she told us that she was going to ruin some Cleveland tenderonies when she got there. Now, remember, that team had sent her there as their fan of the year. And she was all about it. She was living out the Duval dream, tweeting out pics of herself in Cleveland and videos of her pre-gaming before the draft. But again, I'm sorry, what? I mean, I could not tell if that was real or I was hallucinating. To quote that kid in the dental chair or who made it to his parents' car, is this real life? Did I really just see the commissioner, Jarvis Landry, Bernie Kosar, and Danica? The commish. Three Cleveland legends and the queen herself. Did I see a clone on stage at the NFL draft before the first pick? And not only going on the stage, but being invited up on stage. It's not like some clone got loose and got sauced and then took off running across the stage and then got body slammed by security. That was not a moment that needed Kevin Harlan shouting, the guy is drunk, but there he goes. The guy is drunk, but there he goes. Then again, that was not just any clone. That, in fact, was the queen. And she was being invited on stage by the commissioner to sit in his chair. You know, the very chair from his basement from last year's COVID draft. I mean, the whole thing to me was just so surreal. Did somebody replace my mushroom powder with real magic mushrooms in my coffee? Because I could have swore, that must have been Hawk, I could have swore I saw a famous clone posted up on the stage of the NFL draft before the first pick. Something I've never seen before and something that I know I will never see ever again. Did that bleep really happen? This is the same gal who tweeted, quote, Hey, Jaguars family, what a night. Not only for me, but for our franchise. I hope I made you proud. I brought the whole of Duval with me. I felt that. It felt good. Work not done. Back again tomorrow. Can I get a hashtag Duval? Duval! Danica! Too much. So after the queen turned that chair into her throne, I'm not sure if they needed to keep up that bit of letting fans from each team sit in that seat. Nobody was going to live up to the queen or her rep, and the bit did get a little bit tired after a while. But then again, it did give Roger Goodell a moment 
to attempt to be a normal human being. And that went about as terribly as you might expect. There you go. Come on. Welcome, Welcome to, to the, the 2021 NFL Draft. Come on. Come on, Cleveland. Let's go. Listen, I'm not saying that the other commissioners of all the other sports are the smoothest, coolest cats in the world, but man, it is remarkable how awkward Roger Goodell is awkward. when it comes to reading names and greeting guys. Like, you've had an entire year to get ready for this. You've had several years of actually doing this, and it's still awkward as hell. Like, who was hosting the draft last night? Was it Roger in Cleveland or Matt in Cleveland? What's going on? What's up? Uh, first of all, being a star linebacker in Canada, that just means you're a failed hockey player. Uh, uh, Christy Alley... Uh, Val Kilmer, global warming. I mean, come on, come on, Cleveland. You don't like that cop. I don't like that. I mean, seriously, Raj, I'm not looking for you to be Jimmy Kimmel or anything, but man, mix in like a Toastmasters international meeting or two, or at least somewhat of a personality. But again, the draft is not about Roger Goodell and his awkwardness. It's about the players. And last night, it was all about the 49ers. And what would they do with that third pick overall? Would they go with Mac Jones as damn near everybody on the planet had been claiming in their mock drafts? After all, he is a pocket passer. He looks and he plays like a lot of guys that Kyle Shanahan has had success with. And yes, Niner fans would have been pissed if they gave up everything they gave up to get Mac Jones at three when for months he had been expected to go right where they were picking originally. However, in Kyle, you trust, right? You know the guy can coach. You know the guy can scheme. So let him pick his quarterback. Let him pick his quarterback, and his pick was. With the third pick in the 2021 NFL Draft, the San Francisco 49ers select Trey Lance, quarterback, North Dakota State. Uh-oh! You were expecting Mac Jones, weren't you? You may have even put money down on Mac Jones. Or maybe you said, I'm not going to bite on that play fake. I'm expecting Justin Fields. And then what do they do? They go and they take Trey Lance. Man, that is so brass. That's Kyle Shanahan just putting his big brass set right on the table for everybody to see. It's brass and it's impressive. You're taking a guy who played one game. In the past year, you're taking a guy who has played a total of 17 games, and he did so at the FCS level. Man, that's a hell of a move. To take a guy who was lighting up the Western Illinois Leathernecks, and you're going to drop that guy in against Aaron Donald, J.J. Watt, and Jamal Adams. But that's what the Niners did, and you know what? Man, I love it. I absolutely love it. If you do not understand why, go back to my interview with him on Wednesday. Listen back to that interview. You tell me that's not a guy that you want to buy stock in. It's a 20-year-old, and he sounds like a 50-year-old. You don't come across 20-year-olds who've got that level of maturity, wisdom, and thoughtfulness. I'm talking about a guy who's reading the inner game of tennis. He's doing it at that age. You know, so great. He's got a good mindset. What can he do athletically? Pretty much anything he wants. So we got a guy 
who wants to grow. He wants to get better. He has got freaky athletic ability, and he's got a mindset to match. And he's got that arm, and he's got that head, and he's got that game. We're talking again about a guy who had 42 touchdowns in the air and on the ground in 2019 and zero INTs. And he has spent a lot of time under center already, running a ton of play action. So if I'm Kyle Shanahan and I'm John Lynch, that's not a yes. That's a hell yes. No wonder Shanny was not looking to tell you that he was taking Lance instead of Jones. Why would he? And I'm sure the league appreciated that as well. Because if you already knew who the first three picks were, you would not have tuned in and you would have missed the queen herself. So, yes, I love that pick for the 49ers. I love it for Trey Lance. It's a big-ass, badass swing. I'm not guaranteeing it's going to play or work. What I'm saying is it's about as brass a move as you could possibly make, and I could not respect it any more than I do. And when the Niners say that they're not in any rush to trade Jimmy G, I believe that too, because the market has completely dried up. The teams that needed help at quarterback got help at quarterback, so there's not going to be some bidding war for Garoppolo or some crazy market for him. But know this, they did not give up what they gave up to get Trey Lance to have him sit for an entire year after he just sat for most of the year. That would not make any sense. Just like giving up everything they gave up just to select Mac Jones never made any sense. What I'm saying is, I love that pick, and I love a lady clone kicking off the draft by sitting in the commissioner's chair. I just wish that she had announced all the picks instead of that wooden and laconic old man himself. War lady clones. Just hearing that voice on that broadcast makes me laugh. Da da da, Danica. Way to represent Danica. I'm proud of you. Elsewhere, Aaron Rodgers was all the rage before that draft when that report broke that he did not want to return to the Packers. Remember on this show yesterday how pissed Packer fan was and how Packer fan jammed the phone lines, and they were all calling in saying, man, our GM had best not jack this up again. I mean, Packer fan was furious even before the draft, even before they had a chance to possibly jack up that pick. And that was before the story broke that Aaron Rodgers was disgruntled and he was not going to return. So where does that leave them? Where does that leave him? Can they fix this or not? I've got all sorts of thoughts on how badly they jacked that up. 1-800-636-8686. More on the draft itself. Mac Jones dropping to the Pats. Do they have their next Tom Brady? You'd think so, right? I mean, I don't. But you'd think so based on all the pictures that people are showing of a shirtless Tom Brady back in the day and a shirtless Mac Jones today. Oh, wait a minute. That guy's not shredded. That guy can't run. We have ourselves another Tom Brady. Yeah, if that were the case, you could pull any guy with a dad bot off the street and you'd have a Hall of Famer. <laughs> How about Chicago? Chicago, did they finally get it right? That's hilarious to me. I love that. I love, I love people rushing in. Hey, Rome, what do you think now about Chicago? I think it's hilarious. I really do. That they made the move they made to get Justin Fields. And why do I think the Bears are way happier to have him than he is to have them? 
Hey, are you craving some protein after a good workout? You know it. Don't make a shake. Don't eat a bar. Instead, grab a bag of beef jerky from Old Trapper. Old Trapper beef jerky is tasty and tender, made with real strips of steak and quality spices that are smoked over a wood fire. And it goes with you wherever you go, to the game, to the gym, to the beach. Make sure you look for Old Trapper in the Clearview bag. That way you can see the quality you're buying. Look for it in major retail stores near you. And if you don't see it, make sure to ask for it by name because no other jerky compares. Oh, Trapper, what's your beef? He is Will Brinson. Will, what's going on? Jim, what's going on, man? Uh, just hoping you've got some uh, some looks at these horses uh, this weekend, man. Hey, you know, it is the Derby. All about that, Will. I love it. It is the best two minutes in sports. But what about last night, Will? I got to ask you. So you called your shot earlier in the week. You said that you thought the 49ers would go with Justin Fields. What was your reaction when they instead took Trey Lance? Well, I had leveraged myself pretty publicly against Mac Jones going third overall, so I was fine with it. And you know, in terms of financially speaking, obviously it hurt my mock draft. But I, you know, I think I, I, I phrased it wrong. I should have said that what they weren't, what they were going to do was not draft Mac Jones, and that was the thing. It was a, it was a smokescreen the whole time. Kyle Shanahan came out and said that he was in Mexico when the trade went down, Jim, and that he had no intention of ever drafting. Mac Jones, and to me that that was that was obvious. It was the trade. The trade goes down in the middle of Zach Wilson's pro day, with the entire NFL world watching, and all of a sudden, everyone who follows the NFL closely, the insiders, everyone's being told it's definitely Mac Jones. It, it made too much. It made no. It made so much sense. It made no sense. So I, I thought they were going in a different direction. They went that way. Obviously, the field thing I was off on. You know, he ends up landing in a good spot, but man, he, it's hard not to be excited for what how Shanahan with that offense might do with Trey Lance. I love that pick. I agree with you. Will Brinson is joining us. All right, so you mentioned Justin Fields ending up in a good spot. I I find the whole thing kind of hilarious. For instance, if you're Bears GM Ryan Pace and you're already on borrowed time, is there any reason why you would not trade up a future first-round pick to get up, to get a quarterback, to buy yourself more time, Will? Jim, that that 2022 first-rounder that that Ryan Pace used to trade up to get Justin Fields – that's like a $20 for Ryan Pace. That's like a $20 bill you find in your shorts when you pull them out of the, the, the dryer. Like it's, it's just free money. It's money you didn't expect to have because he wasn't using it anyway. If Justin Fields stinks, if the Bears win five games, if Andy Dalton's terrible, he ain't using it next year anyway. So, he, you know, it's, it's the dumb way that the NFL operates in that there's almost a, you know, a, a reward for mortgaging your future, mortgaging a franchise's future. The good thing is that he traded up and took Justin Fields, who you know, I think could be a very good prospect. I do worry with the Bears that, you know, the way that they've handled quarterbacks. I mean, I, I think if you do the math, it's something like 45 million, three first round picks, a couple of third round picks, and a second round pick that Ryan Pace has invested in quarterbacks Mitchell Trubisky, Mike Glennon, Nick Foles, you know, Andy Dalton, and now Justin Fields. So he's, he's joining a list that isn't exactly good for him, but I think they got it right here. Now they just have to properly incubate the thing and get him developed. The, the one concern you have, go back and look at the quotes when they drafted Trubisky and they just signed Glennon, almost identical to what he said last night about Fields and Andy Dalton. So I'm a little worried about history repeating itself. Right. Will Brinson joining us. I understand why they like him. I agree with that, but I just don't trust them to develop a young quarterback. We saw what they did with Trubisky. All right, now what about Aaron Rodgers? When that story broke, Will, before the draft itself, that he was not happy, he was disgruntled, he might not come back, what was your reaction to it, and what's your reaction to the fact that that story came out on the day of the draft? Well, it made this draft the craziest draft run-up of all time, right? And Tim Tebow jumps, comes flying out of the plane, 
switches to tight end, tries to steal all the home lines, and then Aaron Rodgers dunks on him. Like, no, son, this is my time. You're not, not even thinking about taking these headlines. And I, I really just think when you, when you look at what happened with Rodgers, it all goes back to that Jordan Love pick, right? It, it made Rodgers angry. And, right, you know, he, he said, all right, you draft Jordan Love. It's a little insulting to me, very insulting to me, but I'm going to come out. I'm going to be quiet. I'm going to play my tail off. I'm going to put up monster numbers, and I'm going to win. And he did it at an at a advanced age, and he won the freaking MVP. And so then he goes to the Packers. He's like, look, I won the MVP. We went to the NFC Championship game two, two times in a row. We should have won the Super Bowl or been in the Super Bowl, but my coach, you know, puckered up at the end and decided to kick a field goal instead of going for, going for it on fourth. And as a result, I want a new contract that guarantees I stay at Green Bay for a while, and they, now they want to you know, restructure, et cetera, et cetera. And I think it's just gotten to the point where he's so insulted that he just wants out. I don't blame the guy. So how do you see it playing out? Do you think that he is done in Green Bay, or can the Packers somehow get back to him and fix this? It's, I think the trade is tough. And I do think Aaron Rodgers is the type of guy where he is, he's strong enough, he's stubborn enough, he's done enough in his career, and he's got this Jeopardy gig on the side, which he's fairly good at and probably pays him pretty well. Uh, it can occupy his time. That he's, he's maybe takes a stance and says, no, I'm not coming back. I'm not playing for this team. I'm not playing for this new version of management that has decided that I'm old news and wants to go with Jordan Love. It's like, by all means, go with Jordan Love. Be my guest. And the, the problem is, can they facilitate a trade? Because if this comes out three weeks ago, there's ample time for these teams to maneuver with current draft picks. I think it's going to be tough to make the trade with future draft picks. You know, like the 49ers, for instance, I mean, they're not sending Trey Lance back, right? Because they, they just, you know, the, the Packers just drafted Jordan Love. It's, it, that's the problem. If they drafted Kyle Pitts at three, maybe you could put together a package. But with a, going with a young quarterback like that, it would make it immensely difficult. Denver does feel like a reasonable landing spot, and John Elway's, He's still there. He's made big splashes. I wouldn't rule it out. I just think the cap ramifications and the, 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 uh, you know, the, the need that the Green Bay would have to get multiple first back or whatever it is might make it really tough to pull off. Will Brinson joining us for a few more moments. All right, Will, what do you make of Bill Belichick ending up with Mac Jones? What do you think was going through his mind when that guy fell right into his lap? I mean, this guy feels like Thanos, right? It's like, I am inevitable. <laughs> Mac Jones is plummeting down the draft board right into his lap. It, it is perfect. I mean, if you think about, it, you know, we can nitpick Mac Jones all we want, and there are certainly flaws that Mac Jones has, but he's a really accurate passer. He doesn't make mistakes. You know, he's, he, is, he is quick within the pocket, as people have pointed out over and over and over again, to try and justify Kyle, justify Kyle Shanahan taking the three. And if you're picking two landing spots for him, it would be San Francisco and it would be New England because McDaniels can work with this guy. You can put him into a Tom Brady system and, and help him learn. And they do have a, you know, a red shirt year if they want to do that with Cam Newton still there. They can test out Cam and then put in Mac Jones. So I think you look at what they did this offseason, adding two tight ends and with a good offensive line, you can see this team winning games with Mac Jones under center. And I don't want to. I I got ahead of myself last you know last offseason. Said, oh, you gave Belichick Cam Newton. It's over again. So I don't want to do that with Mac. But it does feel like a massive win for the Patriots, and maybe an even bigger win for Mac Jones. We are talking to Will Brinson. All right, well, one more topic before you go. The Jets take Zach Wilson. No surprise there. But then they come right back and they get an offensive lineman. How significant is that for the Jets and for Wilson? I love it, Jim. You know, Joe Douglas has done a really underrated job of following what I like to look at as sort of a Buffalo model in the sense that 
you build out this infrastructure, you, you get offensive linemen, you get pieces, you know, skill position guys, and then you drop the quarterback in there. You don't do it the other way around. You don't force a quarterback to try and drag everybody up from the bottom. You give them opportunities to succeed. That, that, work, that should work in all walks of life. It definitely works that way in professional football. And I think Douglas knows the importance of giving his young quarterback a quality offensive lineman to grow with. He wants to give him talent around it. That's why he signed Corey Davis in the offseason. You know? And I think he'll continue to do that as we progress in the draft just because they want Zach Wilson to succeed. And the best way to make Zach Wilson work is to give him quality pieces around him. I actually have one last question for you, Will. What about Jacksonville? What's your reaction to them taking a running back in the first round? They take Travis Etienne, and then Urban Meyer says he's going to use him as a third down back. What do you make of that statement? I mean, it was the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard of. Prof- well, I think it's not the most ridiculous thing. That's pretty ridiculous. You don't Travis. First of all, Travis Etienne is not a third down back at all. Travis Etienne is a, a full time. <laughs> like you, you want the ball in his hands as much as possible. So you're telling me that you want Carlos Hyde touching the ball instead of Travis Etienne? That defies all logic. And I just I worry a little bit about Urban Meyer's future there. I, I, look, he's a great coach. He succeeded everywhere. I don't want to get old takes exposed here by questioning it. But man, some of the things he's saying and sort of the way he's operating and the choices he's making personnel wise. Definitely raised some red flags for me. It's going to be hard to lose with Trevor Lawrence on your team, but I at least have an eyebrow, an eyebrow cocked, you know, in the direction of, of uh, Duval County there. Yeah, I, I do not get that selection and then that subsequent statement that, yeah, we found ourselves a third down back. Really? You're going to take a running back in the first round and you're going to play him on third down when the guy's not a third down back? Makes no sense to me exactly. at all. He is a CBS Sports senior writer. He's a friend of the program. He is host of the Pick 6 podcast. He is Will Brinson. Will, thanks for getting us started. Appreciate you as always. Always a pleasure, Jim. Have a great weekend, dude. Oh, man. Do I ever love my X chair? I have never had an office chair that looks or feels so amazing in my entire professional career. Honestly, it is so comfortable. I could sit for hours and never feel uncomfortable. The secret is not only their patented dynamic variable lumbar DVL support, which offers incredible lumbar support to my lower back, but now thanks to their new XHMT technology, I can also get heat and massage therapy while I'm sitting at my desk. So instead of my old, uncomfortable office chair, which by the way, I hated, now I look forward to spending hours sitting in the ultimate therapeutic massager. This chair is absolutely insane. The XHMT delivers heat and massage technology right to my core. It helps to increase blood flow, muscle recovery, and energy, all perks that make working from home or the office amazing. I'm telling you, you will not believe the X-Chair difference until you feel the X-Chair difference for yourself. Trust me, it is the luxury supercar of office chairs. Check it out right now. X-Chair is on sale for $100 off. Go to xchairrome.com, xchairrome.com right now. That is the letter X, chairrome.com, or call 1-844-4X-Chair. X-Chair has a 30-day guarantee of complete comfort, and you can finance your purchase for as little as 30 bucks a month. Go to xchairrome.com. Rome.com right now. Use the code XWheels for free X Wheel Blade Casters. XchairRome.com. He's back. Head, what's going on? How you feeling? I'm feeling great, Jim. Better than Packer fan, not as good as Danica, but pretty good. There you go. Well said. All right, so why don't we get right at it? 
Starting in the association, great matchup tonight, Head. Jazz at the Suns. Both are awesome stories. Both are battling for that top seed in the West. I absolutely love the matchup. But I would love it even more if the Jazz had Mike Conley and Donovan Mitchell, which they do not. So I love the Suns here, depending on how much we have to lay. What number do you have, and how are you playing that matchup? So right now I have the Suns at minus four. I hit this as soon as it came out at minus three and a half. I still would hit that four. It just seems too low with Utah being so banged up and really not playing great. Yeah, they clobbered the Kings by 49 the other night. But before that, they had lost back-to-back games to Minnesota. Also, the Jazz have been good. Uh, actually, a great cover all season this year. But that number's kind of been padded, Jim, at home. They're average on the road, hitting about 50% of their games. So I'm going Phoenix, who has gone 6-0 and against the spread their past six Friday games. Suns minus four. All right, so that's interesting. You always seem to get a better number than I do. You and I are in different sites. I've got Suns minus four and a half. I feel strongly enough about it that I'll hit them at minus four and a half, and I did. But what's up, dude? How come you keep getting all the good numbers that I can't get? I have several, several platforms, Jim. So do I, but not the one you have, apparently. All right, so you've got them minus four. I hit them myself at minus four and a half. Now, normally, I would not care, Head, about a couple of sub-500 teams like Washington and Cleveland getting after it. In fact, in terms of the matchup itself, I still don't care. But what we're here for is not entertainment. We are here to find value. We are here to get paid. It's just business. That's where the real entertainment is at, at least in this one. The Wizards have been lights out of late. They just punched the Lakers in the face while the Cavs just lost at home to Orlando. In other words, head, two teams going in opposite directions. I love the Wizards here, depending on what number we get. How are you approaching it? I'm taking the Wizards, and I got a minus six and a half on this one, Jim. The Wizards cover nicely as the road favorite, and we've played this before with the Cavs. One day off, they are horrid. They've covered 26% of their uh, games when they only have that one day off. You have to be worried about a letdown from Washington after beating the Lakers, but I'm going to ride with Russ Westbrook, who will be looking to extend his NBA record triple doubles in a month to 14 games. He's playing great. The Wizards are 8-2 and two in their past 12, uh, 10 games against the spread. Washington minus the points. All right, so you've got Washington minus the points. And again, you've got a better number than I do. I have them at minus 7, but I hit them at minus 7. You've got them at minus 6.5. Mm-hmm. All right, then we've got the Bucks and the Bulls. Like the Bucks are on the back end of a back-to-back. They just got beaten by Houston, and Giannis is dinged. So there is some concern about Milwaukee. Maybe not as much concern, though, as the stat that I saw. How you like this, Head? Mm-hmm. Bulls are 1-9 against the spread in their last 10 games versus a team with a winning road record. Mm-hmm. So I do like the Bucks here. Let me ask you this. How do our pals at BetQL like this game? They are with you on this one, Jim. They actually like it better than any game all night, giving them their five-star approval. So that's as good as they got. They actually have the Bucks as a 6.5-point better bet than Chicago. So they love this minus one. Now, Milwaukee has gotten the hands on their recent road trip, and they're playing tonight in Chicago, a night after losing in Houston. So that's a little concerning, but, man, they can score. They're the highest-scoring team in the NBA, and that Munster Kids squad, they don't play very good at home. So I like Milwaukee there. The Bucks are also a perfect 9-0 and this season against division opponents. I'm going with you and BetQL here, and I'm hitting the Bucks. At what number? What are you getting? I'm getting minus one. 
All right, so BetQL has them as high as minus six and a half, and we can get them at minus one. Right, exactly. Get yep. that, smash that. All right, mm-hmm. so one of my favorite plays of any week is your NHL pick. Those who know the NHL love the NHL. Those who love the NHL love the big heads NHL picks even more than the game itself. Who are you looking at this week on the ice? I'm going to ride with Winnipeg here to snap their NHL worst five-game losing streak tonight against the Canadians. The Jets play better on the road ice. They are the second-best cover against any uh, against anybody on the puck line on the road, and the Canadians are the second-worst cover against the puck line at home. Now, if you don't like the value in the Jets plus the 1.5 puck line, hit them on the money line. That's what I'm doing. Jets and the money line. Winnipeg on the money line. There is your NHL pick. All right, the last and the best of all, the run for the Roses, the Kentucky Derby. I know you love the ponies. I know you're all about the best two minutes in all sports. Now, in any given year, anything can happen in that race because we're talking about an enormous field Mm -hmm. exclusively for three-year-olds, and they're running a mile and a half for the first time. So, head, in any given year, it's going to be wide open. But I think looking at the field this year, I've never seen it as wide, as open as it Mm -hmm. is. I can make an argument for a half a dozen horses in this race who do you like, and how are you attacking the first Saturday in May? Yeah, look, the favorite is Central Quality. is a great horse. He hasn't lost, but there's just not great value there, Jim. So I'm going to go with the third choice, Todd Pletcher's known agenda. I think he's currently at plus 750. I've been on him for a while now in the days leading up to the post positions being announced. I'm just like, please, please don't draw that vaunted one position in the 20-horse field because it's massive field, and he does, but I'm sticking with him, Jim. He looked great in the Florida Derby. He's won both of his races with blinkers on, and I think the distance won't be a problem for him. I just need Ired Ortiz Jr. to get him out of that one hole fast, and he does have the speed. So I'm going to go. I'm not going to be scared here. I'm going to ride with known agenda as the third choice and become the first horse since 1986 to win the Derby out of that one gate. Well said. I like that pick. I like that pick a lot. I don't like him on the rail, but as you point out, if anybody can get him out cleanly, Mm-hmm. It's Ortiz, as, as we talked about, the Eddie Olchek, too. They're going with a different gate. Now, I right. know you, Head, you're going to find value in that, but you will take shots. Are there any long shots in the Derby that you want to take a shot at? I'm taking some big swings here, Jim, some big, big swings. Another That's Pletcher horse, Saint Hood. He didn't run as a two-year-old. He has only three races under his belt, and he's only won once. But if you go look at the tape of the Jeff Ruby stakes, he finished like a madman in that mile and an eighth losing to like the king but he had plenty left he's uh currently 45 or 50 to one so i like him i'll use him on some bets and also another long ass shot 50 to one helium he also has only ran three races he's won each one of those though and the last time out in the tampa bay derby he looked great his speed and time were good and i looked at his bloodlines jim uh, like sainthood, he's bred for this mile and a quarter, so I'm going Saint. helium 50 to 1. I like that. you got to take some shots. I mm-hmm. also hit sainthood pretty hard. Nice. Helium I have not hit yet, but that doesn't mean that I won't. But you have to take some shots. All right, Head, back it up. Run it back one more time. Who are your picks for the weekend? Suns minus 4, Wizards minus 6.5, the Bucks minus 1. In the NHL, I'm going to hit Winnipeg on the money line. In the Derby, I'm going to go known agenda at plus 750, and then I'm going to take a couple shots. Sainthood, anywhere from 50 to 45 to 1, and Helium, 50 to 1. I love it. So generally, what is the clone reaction? Are they happy that you're getting them paid, or are they pissed when you don't? 
Uh, I'd say about eight to one odds pissed when I don't, but they were extremely happy. I'd say the last couple of weeks. So always more, uh, pissed off when I lose. So we'll see. Let's get it. Big head. It's a big sports weekend. Big head bets every single Friday. Have a great weekend head. Thanks so much. Thanks Jim. You want to make sure you follow Bucky Brooks at Bucky Brooks. NFL Network's coverage of the 2021 NFL Draft from Cleveland continues with rounds two and three this evening at 7 p.m. Eastern. Bucky, it's great to have you back. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. How are you? How are good. You good, good. Bucky, let me ask you, as somebody who played in Jacksonville, there's no surprise that Trevor Lawrence went first overall, but now that it's official and you did play there, what do you expect him to bring to that organization? It's the first time the franchise has had a real franchise quarterback. And, Jim, there's a thing in football where we talk about winners win. You talk about a player who never lost a regular season game in high school or in college. As a quarterback, that is important because he understands what it should look like, what it should feel like, how it should operate in terms of the team and the culture of the team. When your quarterback is in lockstep with an ultra-competitive coach like Urban Meyer, it gives you a chance to win and to win big. Um, I can talk about the talent and all the things that he brings to the table, but I think the best thing that Trevor Lawrence brings is his leadership ability, his overall toughness, and his competitive drive. He will help this franchise finally get out from under the, the rock, and he will help them emerge as a viable contender in time down the road. We're talking to Bucky Brooks. You know, Bucky, I'm curious, on a personal note, you've spent time as a counselor at the Elite 11. So what's it like for you to see players that you had worked with having the types of moments they had last night? Uh, it's great. It's really great to see um, these kids finally get an opportunity to realize their dreams. And I think the thing that stands out, Rome, is when you have an opportunity to see these guys at 16, 17 years old, they stand out just like they stand out now. Looking at Trevor Lawrence at Clemson, he's the same guy that we saw in high school lighted up. Same competitor, same intelligence, same uh, instincts and awareness. He displayed all those things. The same could be said for all those other guys. Justin Fields, watching him throw and dazzle and, and continue to do it at Ohio State, watching some of the other players, Michael Parsons and some of the skilled guys like Kyle Pitts and Devonta Smith and others. These guys that we're seeing go in the first round, most of them have always kind of been – the, the big man on campus from the time they were in high school, it's great to see them continue to follow that path and have success at the highest level. We are talking to Bucky Brooks, an NFL Network analyst. So, Bucky, what about Trey Lance? In fact, looking at your final mock draft, you had San Francisco taking Lance. What did you like about that fit going into the draft, and how do you like that choice? You know, it's funny. Uh, I'm going back, I'm looking at my notebook from 2019, and in my notebook I wrote down, man, this guy would be a perfect fit in the Kyle Shanahan system. Uh, just a dual threat, smooth. He's experienced in running what I call a multiple offense, meaning at North Dakota State, they're able to get up on the center. They do shotgun. They do a mix of traditional pro stuff with college stuff and read option. For Kyle Shanahan, that is the perfect thing because what we've seen from this offense is this offense will go, and it can go with anybody operating it. The one thing that hasn't allowed it to go to the next level is a dual-threat playmaker who has some ability to not only make big-time throws but to enhance the running game with his own legs on quarterback runs or scrambles. This gives them a chance to go next level because with all the versatile weapons that they have on the perimeter, Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, George Kittle, Kyle Jutek, 
man, they can create so many problems for a defense. This is going to be a nightmare offense to defend in time when, Kyle Lynch, Trey, right. when Trey Lance gets Honestly, I love that pick. Bucky Brooks is joining us. I really like that pick. I thought you had a really interesting observation, Bucky, last night on Twitter when you said, quote, if you don't believe the 7v7 culture has impacted football, just look at the NFL draft for proof. QBs and wide receivers rule the roost. So how much has the game changed as a result of 7v7? I mean, just look at it. Like, 707 has really impacted it. What, the first six picks were either quarterbacks or wide receivers or pass catchers? What has happened now, and California has always been on the front end of it, Southern Cal in particular. Guys are throwing the ball all over the yard the entire year. And so quarterbacks are getting more reps than ever. Wide receivers are getting more reps than ever, running routes, catching passes, playing in competitive environments. And when they are trained, particularly by really good coaches, really good private trainers, these guys get to college with advanced skills, and those skills are only refined. So now we're seeing guys that not only get drafted high, but they have an immediate impact when they step into the league. And it's all because at those formative stages, man, they're exposed to more football, more playing, more training, more skill development. I think we're seeing that bear out as we continue to look at the draft. We're talking to Bucky Brooks. All right, Bucky, one of the other huge stories yesterday, of course, aside from the draft itself, that situation between Aaron Rodgers and the Packers, this is something that's been bubbling over for a while now. What was your reaction to reports yesterday about how disgruntled or dissatisfied he is with the situation? Uh, you know, look, here's the thing with, with Aaron Rodgers, and really we're seeing this with all quarterbacks, right? Quarterbacks are increasingly frustrated by two things, power and money, Right. All the quarterbacks now want the power to be able to build the team around them, and they all want to be paid top-of-the-market money. Some of this, I believe, stems from the fact that when we saw the quarterback market go over the $40 million mark, well, Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers got left behind, and so they want to have a market correction. The other thing that we're seeing is they look finally at what Tom Brady has been able to do in Tampa, and it seems that Tom Brady is able to get whatever luxury he wants when he talks to Jason Light and Bruce Arians, because he has a talented team. The difference is, in Tom Brady's situation, Tom Brady doesn't get top-of-the-market money. He never really has. Even the money that he's getting now in Tampa is like mid-level, even below mid-level starting money at like $25 million or so dollars a year. And so they can give them those luxury items. Those other guys have never stepped back and said, hey, I'm not going to get all of the cheese. I'm going to make sure that we have enough to get everything back. And so this is one of those things that's frustrating on the outside to watch because Aaron Rodgers knows what the deal is, and he knows how Green Bay operates, and he's been there. And he actually came in in the middle of a soap opera that he's now recreating when Brett Favre did it with him. And so I don't know, I don't know what the end game is, but I do know this. He really doesn't have any real leverage outside of the pressure that fans and the media can put on the team. The team has all the advantage. They just need to sit tight and deal with the uncomfortable nature of these conversations because at the end of the day he either plays for the Packers or he goes home and he retires. There's no other option because Goodekin said they're not trading. All right, so I was going to ask you, Bucky, who's got the hammer in that situation, but you just made that pretty clear. I mean, could you see him being disgruntled enough that he would pick not playing over playing with the Packers? Could you see it actually going that way? Well, see, here's the thing, because I know people say he's represented by the same people that represented Carson Palmer when Carson Palmer kind of pulled the move on Cincinnati. The difference is Aaron Rodgers is 37. The ticking clock works against him in this scenario. He sits out, he's going to come back at 38, then 39, and go back. So, look, the Packers may not want 
to have to play without him. But they did draft the first-round quarterback last year. And if that is kind of like the, the straw that broke the camel's back, then that's something that speaks to Aaron Rodgers and maybe his own insecurities as opposed to what the Packers didn't do. Because at some point, we talk about it being the most important position, you need to have a quarterback. Because how many times do we talk about a team falling short because they don't have a quarterback, particularly a backup quarterback? I think this is a situation that should have been able to be worked through, but for whatever reason, Aaron Rodgers has taken it very personally. And it's one of those things that we'll see if they can get past it. We're talking to Bucky Brooks for a few more moments. Bucky, what about the Dallas Cowboys and their selection? Like that defense has been a real mess. How much better do you think they got last night with the selection of Michael Parsons? Michael Parsons makes them a lot better. He makes them a lot better in terms of not only the speed and athleticism that they have at the second level, but he gives them kind of like an, an alpha dog, a young, competitive, angry player that can kind of help change the tone of that defense. They have Jalen Smith and Leighton Evander Etch, who are two really, really good players. But both of those guys have kind of been beset with injuries and have not necessarily played to the same level they played at when they earned Pro Bowl honors, I want to say, in 2018, 2019. They need difference makers, and Michael Parsons is a difference maker. He also will help them with a pass rush because even though he's listed as a, a linebacker, man, this is a guy who has legitimate pass rush ability when you watch him blitz. He and D-Law and some of the other pieces that Dan Quinn will have at his disposal, they'll give them a chance to upgrade their defense. We're talking to Bucky Brooks. So, Bucky, let me ask you this. When you look at that first round overall, is there a player and a team who really jump out to you as a great fit that you and I have not talked about yet? Mm. You know, it's funny because people beat up running backs in this draft. And I'm going to say Najee Harris going to Pittsburgh is a perfect fit. When I look at Najee Harris, he has a game that's a little different than Le'Veon Bell, but he would give them what they've been lacking since Le'Veon Bell moved on. A big-time running back who has legitimate playmaking ability in the passing game. When you think about Ben Roethlisberger getting older, he needs more support, more weapons, particularly with the guy coming out the backfield. Najee Harris is about as natural as they come. His game is probably more similar to Matt Forte than Le'Veon Bell, but having a RB1 slash wide receiver two in the backfield would alleviate some of the pressure on Big Ben. It also make this offense stretch and stress the defense a little more. I think he's a perfect fit. When I think about the Steelers and I think about Harris, it seems to me that's a perfect, perfect fit. Bucky, one last thought. What do you think? How happy were the Chargers to see offensive tackle Rayshon Slater there at 13? And then how do you like that for him and Justin Herbert? Oh, I love it. You know, I, I, I don't think they could ever imagine Rayshon Slater getting to them based on how everybody was mocking these players coming off the board. But then you get a chance to upgrade the talent in front of Justin Herbert. You make him very, very comfortable. So now he can throw in front of a fortress. And we have seen the playmakers that they already have on the outside. If you give Justin Herbert time, he can pick apart most defenses. I think you have to be excited if you're a Chargers fan. She's checking in now from Cleveland. Danica, what's going on? How are you? Rome. I don't know who was ruined last night. I don't know about Tenderonis, but I was definitely ruined because I probably had about two hours of sleep and too many fireballs. <laughs> How many fireballs, Queen? Um, I lost count after three. Okay. All right. And then how many? After three. <laughs> we're running video of you right now. That was great. So take me through it. What was last night like for you? How much of a blast was that? Never in a million years did I think that that was going to happen. I'm just thinking, I'm just going to go to the draft, inner circle, 
get a few uh, shots on TV, screaming Duval or whatnot, and that would have been the end of the night. Never did I think that they were going to call me up on stage to sit in that chair to meet the commissioner. I mean, he already came by and gave fist bumps. I thought that was it, you know, but anything else, just no, no clue. And I have to say, getting up there, there was no nerves. It felt right. It felt like I belonged there. And basically, that's why I threw my arms out. It was just like, I'm here. Like, Duval's here. The queen is here. You know, you can start the draft. (laughs) I love it. That's exactly the way it felt to me. So what about your phone? Were clones and friends blowing you up when they saw you on TV? Not only on TV, but to start the NFL draft and you just kicking it in that throne. Constantly. When they got back to my seat, it, it was just wild. There was... Twitter sent me a notification, said, you getting too many notifications. Do you need to make a filter? I've never seen that before. And my poor brother, he's just standing there looking at me because he was just shocked for seeing me go up there, and it just blew his mind, and his phone was going off too. So it was a chain reaction, my phone, his phone, it just constant. So how many tenderonies got wrecked last night? Well, uh, I got the Joe, the first one, uh, walking in. <laughs> You know, that that was pretty easy right there, pretty simple. And, you know, a couple more on the way in, way out. Maybe some this morning. Um, the day's still young. Going to head back down there to the experience. You know, day's not over. And then all day today, tonight, and this still tomorrow. <laughs> you know it. She is the queen. Danique, I'm proud of you. I thought that was awesome. I, I, I don't want to say I did double take when I saw you, but I was pumped to see you, and I know Clone Nation was too. Listen, have a great time. Enjoy it. Wreck some more tenderonies, and we'll check in with you soon. All right. Go Duval! Hey, Jim, yo, after watching the NFL Draft hosted by Danica, yo, I'm so hyped that our GM, Howie, who, if you check for the record, is someone that Philly fan never doubted for a second, drafted the Slim Reaper, Devontae Smith. Yo, the only stain last night, though, is the Eagles had to trade with Dallas to get him. I mean, forget comparing that to kissing your sister. Trading with Dallas was more like kissing Wendy Williams' ass after a burp fart. And uh, speaking of burp farts, I was so pumped earlier this week to hear from the jungle's very own Herschel Walker, Jeff in Southfield. It's such a treat when Jeff comes in with his strange non-sequiturs, his disturbing sexual fetish for Paul's dog, cancer death smack, turning the jungle into his very own verbal Jackson Pollock. Yeah, I know this guy's a mesmerizing train wreck, Jim, but unlike Tito Ortiz, your interviews with Alonzo Mourning and David Stern, and Army Hammer ending his career so he can freely bite more backs than Marv Albert, this train wreck isn't that much fun to watch. Now, look, I, I know what everyone is thinking. Damn, Mark, you really want to pick a fight with Jeff and Southfield? And that is a valid question. I mean, you don't see a screaming crackhead on the street roll up to him and say, hey, bro, want to go? There's no winning when you fight crackheads. If Jeff wins... People are going to look at me and say, you idiot, why did you fight a crackhead? If I win, people will look at me and say, you jerk, how are you going to beat up a crackhead? It's a zero-sum game, Jim. But here's the thing, clones. We all know I wouldn't be fighting Jeff, would I? No, no, no. Because there is no such thing as Jeff in Southfield. The first clue is that he's from a fictional city. Southfield, really? There's no town named Southfield. What? born and raised in South Detroit, didn't want any of that fake city gloss. The second clue 
is that Jeff is clearly disturbed, his mind broken, as if he's been beaten down over and over again in some kind of competition. Perhaps coming in second multiple times, but never first. Someone who had to sell his soul and join forces with a roided-up asshat to even get close to a championship, but would never, ever be recognized as a true champion. Who could that be, you ask? Mike, get into you faux-ass biatch. Yo, is this how low you've sunk? What, did Mike look at Garth Brooks's act when he dumped a vat of tar in his hair, wedged his fat, chafing thighs into some sack-hugging skinny jeans, and went Chris Gaines with it? Jim, you know how Kevin Durant has burner accounts on Twitter? Mikey DeLa Jeff is the first clone to have burner caller personas. Mike, when Jim started his side hustle, The Reinvention Project, this is not what he had in mind, you kook. Your time is over, bro. So please, stop calling Jeff, Mike, whatever your name is. Because the thing about Chris Gaines, he could always turn back into Garth Brooks and be a winner. You, on the other hand, you invented an alter ego that is just as much of a bitch-ass loser as you are. Welcome to Smack Off Season. My man, rack him. Finally a Monday. What's up? Man, I didn't think that weekend was ever going to end. And I wanted it to, so I could start my week. What's going on? Welcome to the program. I am Jim Rome. Why is that? Because, man, so many awesome things happened that I could not wait to get in here and talk about. How was your weekend? Was it the best weekend you've ever had? I guarantee it was still not half the weekend that Fernando Tatis Jr. just had. The rest of y'all can go off to the side, do whatever you want. The other 28 teams. It's just fun. I want to see these guys beat the crap out of each other. She peeking. Mock each other. It's all good. It could literally save the entire sport. Got a question for you, Rome. Hit me. You know what Fernando Tatis Jr. looks like? He looks like a Dadonis. Looks like a Dadonis. Philip and PB. Got a message to all the Dodger fans coming from us Padre fans. Hey, dude, I got a message for you. And the ball to superlative. That knockout was spectacular. Yeah, I mean, it was just like, I mean, that's one of the best right hands, you know, that you've ever seen from a UFC ever. fighter. I mean, ba-boom. You know, give Masvidal full marks, I mean, to get up and to say what he said afterwards. You got my number, man. Email. But the sport is barbaric. It's disgusting. I can't watch it. Brad in the 360 cycling degenerate. War humanity. People are not saying, hey, man, I was kind of on the fence about MMA until I saw a dude get his legs snapped 17 seconds in. And then I'm like, man, what have I been missing? I don't want a golden ticket. I want your golden ticket. I want to end you, bro. Um, I can't guarantee that anybody in the world will be alive Sunday. So but I can't will any of us be here Sunday even for the end of this uh, segment? The only thing I can guarantee at this point are your bad phone calls, your even worse tweets, and your horrific emails, and Ike Ritz arrogance. Mmm. Arrogance. Kyle Pitts. When you heard about the 49ers moving up to get that number three pick. And I was just getting information, maybe thinking that they were interested or you know, I was having meetings with them. But that was before the quarterback hype came. So that train left. I don't really think they're going to pick me anymore. Hey, Trapper, rest in peace. And what I mean by that is stay in your coffin and shut up. Tramps like us. He made us look sage. I tell you, Dansby, that's got to beat the hell out of ripping through slump busters. It also can be called jumping on a grenade. David Concepcion was tall, man. That's got to be an industrial-sized dryer. Check out the Jim Rome Instagram reinvention project, bro, because you need to reinvent yourself as a decent caller. Bruh, bruh. 
Bruh. Bruh. Come on. Ah. Trey Lance, do you have a sense as to where you might be picked? Uh, not yet. I feel like I, I put myself in a good position, done everything I can to set myself up for success. You'll put a titanium rod through the tibia. Then you get to the post-op x-rays that show a leg that have more hardware than a Home Depot. My man's leg looks like the result of Hugh Jackman and that kid going to the junkyard in real steel. Talking to Jimmy Johnson, some of these guys have hit you with student driver stickers on your gear as a joke. <laughs> I'm getting plenty of respect, and I appreciate it. My, my teammates are having a little fun with me on social media, but other than that, it's been pretty straightforward. What is your beef? Scenes of people vomiting or of women giving birth. MLB are, are ass turkeys for not giving Madison his no-hitter. Well, you ordered the appetizers and the wine, not me. Asks me what comes with the salmon. It's like, bro, look at the English text to the right of where it says Alaskan salmon. So the bull, me and him locked eyes. I got his attention. And shoot, man, I just ran straight for him. He ran straight for me. And then I just took a leap and cleared him. Yeah, and I crowd went crazy. I didn't really realize that it happened to after the fact. <laughs> like the pink shirt does not mean I want to have S with you, though, Jim. I want to have S with him. Big Eddie Day. Eddie Olchek. Eddie George. This just in. Eddie Munster. In the third hour. The problem is we air in the middle of the day. Eddie George, what made you want to get into coaching? <laughs> you know, that is a wonderful question, Jim. For someone to recognize that I could be a head coach without me seeing that, it's almost like a God opportunity. T tell Eddie George that uh, I'm, I'm glad I'm not playing against him because he'd run right over top of me if I was. I used to play football about 40 years ago. Ah. These wannabe homeowners who think that they can do these DIY projects love to borrow my damn tool. Ah. Hey, Jared, Love I got a tool for you. The hammer. Daniel Jeremiah. But I did catch one little uh, segment. So I just had one question for you, Jim, and we can get back to the football. Hit me. Uh, those guys gave us a wedgie. We gave them a swirly. War Ivy Craig Belmont races consisting of 10 hermit crabs racing on Belmont Shore. Jarvis and Bernie pick the Jaguar fan who comes up first. Duval's here. The queen is here. You can start the draft. All right, we got a winner. Trading with Dallas was more like kissing Wendy Williams' ass. After a burp fart. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty ridiculous. And I'm looking for these closers to come running hard. Hey, man, have a good one, brother. Baga Crenshaw. <laughs> Wake up, old man. Wasabi. I'm coming up to a Dodger game. You travel to Petco for a Padre game. I have several, several platforms, Jim. We're coming for that ass. I gotta go, Jim. Is side hustle the reinvention project? Good night now. Good night now!